Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And we are continuing in our study from the book of James. But today we're going to be discussing the issue of playing favorites. So, Chris, joining us for this podcast is one of our favorites. Yes, Amber. Amber Vaden is with us. She is one of our content editors for Bible Studies for Life. Tell them a little bit about your product. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me um, with you today. So yeah, I work on the daily discipleship guide and it is, it's a resource for small group Bible studies and Sunday school classes. Uh, It has your Bible study for your group gathering, just like all of our resources do. But then in addition, it has five daily devotions, um, that connect back to what you just talked about. So it you spend a little bit uh, more time over the course of four or five days um, in that same in that same passage of study. It's a good resource. So Amber, thanks for doing that, and thanks for joining Chris and I for this podcast as we talk about playing favorites, or better yet, not playing favorites. We're going to be in James chapter 2 for our discussion today, uh, and we're going to begin reading verse 1. Amber and Chris, let me read the first four verses, and then let's just stop and talk about what this passage is addressing. James wrote, My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor man dressed, poor person dressed in filthy clothes also comes in. If you look with favor on the one wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place. And yet you say to the poor person, stand over there or sit here on the floor by my footstool. Haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So Jim Wilson, our writer uh, who was with us last week, uh, tells the story of uh, a time in his past where he uh, was doing a consultation with a church and he actually um, had two different people go to a church who were very different and uh, to talk about how they were received and what the response was. And uh, one of the persons was welcomed and given materials and someone took him and introduced him to the pastor and the other guy, no one talked to him. No one had anything to do with him. Nobody said anything to him. They were at the same church on the same day. So uh, it was it's an interesting take from a modern perspective of what James is describing in the first century church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about the outward appearances, right? Like this, your story and the uh, first four verses of James 2, two people come in and and they they have out outward differences. And because of that, in addition to that, they were treated differently by the ones who were, who were there in the, in the meeting. It, it, one thing, so it, it just goes against God's heart is what it does. And so Deuteronomy 10, 17 um, is really our foundation of why we are called not to show favoritism in this way. So Deuteronomy 10, 17 talking about the Lord for the Lord, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of Lords, the great mighty and awe inspiring God showing no partiality and taking no bribe. So he, his view, uh, there is not 
one person over another who can pull him into sway him one way or another because of something they might do. He simply has no partiality. And because of that, that's what we're called to be like. Jim Wilson makes this statement um, in the introduction. Racism and prejudice are far more common than they should be in American culture and in the church. And so um, he talks about the reality of, of racial, socioeconomic, religious, political differences. We, we can treat people different uh, because they are different from us. Um, that's what happens in real life. And, and James is saying it should not be that way. So it should not be that way then. And it really should not be that way now. But it is. So we asked the question in our resources, what are some ways favoritism is seen today? And I do think the example James has given us in chapter two here, I think that's still obviously applicable today. But what are some other ways that we, you might see favoritism? Oh, like more than just um, outward appearances? So I think it can be male, female. I think it can be racial. I think people notice differences if if someone shows up dressed differently than whatever the 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 accepted norm for the church is uh if you're a a a suit and tie church and someone comes in in jeans or shorts and a baseball hat there is the possibility that they're going to be treated differently sure and and in some churches it depends on what it says on that baseball hat because it's Uh, there, I think uh, my experience has been, as I've thought this through as a church, I was at, I think uh, white collar, blue collar can come into play to churches that are, uh, that might be predominantly white collar. Uh, and it's, I don't think it's ever anything intentional, yet it still happens that we tend to favor those who've got degrees or he's got an influ- influential position in the community. He's a natural guy to serve as a deacon or, or to serve as a leader or to take this class. There's a part of us in our old sinful human nature. We're just wired to see that. And that's what we have to work against. Really is true. I, um, and this was a long time ago. This is the early 90s. Um, uh, there was a group uh, in a science school class. They were all friends. They were all tight. Um, and um, one person in the science school class made a political statement. Um, I don't don't know how someone could be uh, a Christian and be a Democrat, you know, and and there were people in the room and they knew it who had different political perspectives. And it was really more about state and local issues for the individual in the church who was who was different from others. I, I still to this day can't believe that that person said that out loud uh, in the midst of a group of friends knowing that there was that kind of difference. And that was in the 90s. And I think yes. that type of attitude is far more predominant today. It really is. I think there's another way this uh, discrimination or favoritism happens, and it's more subtle. And to me, it's the issue between introverts and extroverts. Periodically visit a lot of churches and, the, uh, and also some Sunday school classes and some Bible study groups. And I'm the kind, I just walk in and I'm here, you know, and I, you know, I kind of announce myself, if you guys can imagine me at that, uh, you know, I'm the guy that, you know, wants to put a lampshade on my head. My wife is just the opposite. Uh, you know, she's, she'll, she'll, she'll gladly talk to you, but she's not going to initiate the conversation necessarily. And so I learned 
because when I visit a class and they learn your life way and they learn, oh, you work on the curriculum we're using, many times they're intimidated or they want you to teach the class. So I've learned to act like my wife and just kind of come in and just answer their questions, but not offer a lot. I notice you're treated different. Uh, and I don't mean that in a good way. We do. Humanly, we gravitate toward people who are outgoing and want to talk and uh, kind of carry a conversation. But if you're quiet and reserved, you often get overlooked, even though you could be a great uh, a person of great leadership in the church, uh, but just because you're quiet. That kind of walks us into uh, looking at the next verses, verses five through seven, where this idea that one reason we shouldn't play favorites is because those people that we're discounting, that we're, we're not paying attention to, those are people that God use, that God does use and may want to do something great in our setting, but because we dismiss them, they don't have that opportunity. But let me just read verse 5 through 7. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you have dishonored the poor. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into court? Don't they blaspheme the good name that was that was invoked over you? So I love the fact that he stays on the subject and continues to use the example. I'm surprised, as we've done this study, how many references to this rich-poor dichotomy that James mentions. He did it in chapter one. He does it here. He'll do it uh, in chapters four and five. So it's really interesting to me that uh, this was at the forefront of James' mind as he as he writes this. I really do like, though, that he continued on because I think this takes it a step further than just don't recognize differences and let that affect how you treat someone it goes another step further and says don't uh don't because of differences ignore the fact that god could use someone uh that is different than you or that is different than the group that the group as a whole and so i you know his plan is to use his plan is to use his people and so this is just another uh affirmation of that um and a really sweet one so yeah i I like these verses a lot. I like the phrase he used there about God chose the poor to be rich in faith. Uh, and just because they may not have the financial means or the the uh, the status of others, yet they have a deep walk with God that cannot be overlooked. Yet we often do overlook them for that. I appreciate the fact that uh, Jim Wilson made reference to Luke 21, where uh, Jesus is at the temple treasury and people are giving their offering. Uh, people are giving vast amounts, and then this little lady puts two coins in, and Jesus grabs his disciple and says, look, I want you to see this. She gave more than all the rest of them. She gave out of her poverty. They're giving out of their surplus, and uh, it's, a, it, it's, it, it's, an in, it's interesting to see Jesus twist uh, on the same subject matter. Because what it boils down to, it's not the, the qualifications or the abilities, the talents, the person has, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're whatever distinction we want to make, it's the presence of God in their lives, the Holy Spirit, because the same Holy Spirit that gifted, that gifts a, a, a Billy Graham, a Corey Tinboon, um, he gives you and I, and he gives those same gifts to those who we may have a tendency to look down on, even though they're believers. Uh, that same power is available to them. One of the questions that we ask is, what are some ways we look, we overlook 
the poor or the disadvantaged in our churches today? And I, I hope that these are the kind of questions that our group leaders will ask because I think it will stimulate discussion. I think it will be an eye-opening uh, opportunity for people to consider how the issue that James is addressing uh, is prevalent today as well. Yeah, I think one question you can ask to, to kind of determine if you are showing any favoritism or overlooking uh, a certain group of people like in your church is, uh, what are you expecting from whom? So if you're expecting uh, people to step into uh, places of leadership or even places of serving in ministries or volunteering, um, who who are you expecting that of? And are you expecting it of everyone equally? <laughs> you know, like, do you, do you expect the single person who is not married to step in and serve? Or do you always go to that someone who is who has a large family that's involved in several areas of your church so that's that's just one example and of course the challenge is again it's the it's the talkative it's the outgoing people that tend to get noticed more and tend to be given those opportunities to serve we've got to learn to be sensitive to everybody in our groups to see how god uses them or or perhaps to see the potential of how god could use them that maybe they've just never given the opportunity to do that because they're overlooked. And they might need encouragement. I mean, to, to be fair, the outgoing folks make it super easy sometimes to, to get to know them and to invite them to be a part of uh, things or to serve. And so, and that is that sometimes that's just, they make it easy, but so it might take a little more effort on our part to involve uh, a quieter person or a more introverted person. Well, let me skip to the live it out just for a minute. Uh, We're going to come back and finish the study. But Amber, since you said that, one of the live it out statements, how to apply this is to make contact with other people. In other words, what it says here is in your, in your group, get to know those that you don't know well. Uh, make eye contact, ask their names, practice the five-minute rule, which is this, five minutes before and after a group setting, seek out people you don't know, build up conversations. And I love that because, Amber, it gets at what you're talking about here in the sense of as you talk to the person, maybe they are quiet and they're reticent, maybe a little bit shy. You just engage them in conversation. You learn things about them and see, wow, there is a deep faith here are to say, wow, they have a real interest in this. And so they may not be that person that when someone stands up in the pulpit and says, you know, we need someone to lead such and such group, they're not going to volunteer themselves. But in those conversations, we may realize, wow, that's the person they're looking for, just someone just like that. So we have a chance to encourage them. I think that gets at, uh, in, in the church, one of the ways that I think we're guilty is that whole issue of familiarity and unfamiliarity. We, we tend to, we tend to be comfortable with who we know. And I, I just think there's a lot of people in the church that just lack sensitivity to people who are new in general, uh, because they're, they're used to their friends. Uh, when I was a pastor in East Northeast Kentucky, I would, you know, every week I would do an, a welcome and I would, uh, I would speak directly to people who were our guests. And occasionally a regular attender would say, why does he say that every week? And I, had, I got the opportunity to say, you know, I wasn't talking to you. I didn't have you in <laughs> mind. I was talking to the people who 
our guests who don't know anything about our church. And I want them to feel welcomed. And I want us to take the initiative to engage with them. And that was like a, just a totally foreign idea to this person. Chris, I think a big part of that for us is we don't know how to have a conversation. Now we do with the people we know well, the people we've been around a long time, we've developed that ability, but just to walk up to someone you don't know, I found it, I, I have actually find it simple. Now, again, I tend to have a little bit of a, uh, I'll just walk up to a stranger and talk to him at church, but I've learned just ask questions. I don't talk about myself. I just want to, well, tell me, tell me about yourself. You know, where are you from? Are you new to the area? Or, or, I even go, are you a member of this church? Are you a visitor? Because I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and that just starts a conversation just by asking questions. And, uh, and one question, one answer will lead me to ask another question. So uh, uh, I found it makes it quite easy. Well, for the sake of time, let's move on to verse 8. Uh, verses 8 through 13, we're going to look at this idea. We're still, we're not, don't play favorites. But what we're going to see here is one reason we don't play favorites is because we're called to love others, even as Christ does. James said, indeed, if you fulfill the royal law prescribed in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. If, however, you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor's. Forever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, <laughs> you are a lawbreaker. So speak and act like those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I just hear in there this strong call where to love others as we love ourselves, but not to love. That is as, good, that is as bad as breaking the law of adultery or, or breaking the law about murder. Pretty strong words. They are. They are. So I wanted to share this because I, I came across this as I was preparing and I thought I have never heard this. And it is really an interesting way to describe it. So in verses, verse 10. James 2.10, for whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. And that verse, I think, is going to be a good point of some conversation in our groups this week. Um, because it's like, well, wait a second, I kept all this other part of the law. But if you're saying if I just miss this one, then it's like I missed every bit of it, which goes against our normal way of thinking. So I was preparing, and in the Holman commentary uh, on this verse, it, the um, writer explains it like this. It says, God's law is not like a setup of 10 bowling pins, which we knock down one at a time. It more resembles a, plane of, a pane of glass in which a break at one point means that the entire pane is broken. It's good, right? And so I thought, Okay, so it, it's really, it goes against our normal way of thinking to think, oh, but I've kept this, I've kept most of it. So if I just, let's just say I'm not great at this one part, uh, but here James, uh, James is like, whoever keeps everything but stumbles at one point is guilty. So I think that's a good way to try to help communicate what is being, what's being taught there. 
I remember as a kid, Amber, someone else helping us to understand this, and they used a a, a book, a matchbook. You know, has what what ten, twelve something batches in it, and he says, you know, if you if you light, you know, you just if you break one law, he says it's like lighting one of these matches. You know, that's attached to the book. He says because when you light that one match, they all go up in flames. And of course, we're all these kids. We're excited watching all this poof, just flames going off. But I always remember. <laughs> But it's it's the same principle. It's you can't you can't just break one without it affecting everything else. And we're gonna break the law. <laughs> so well, and, and and the fact that he throws uh, murder and adultery as the examples um, in the mix with favoritism, it says you know you break one, you break them all. Uh, is is interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, we're 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 and we're going to because we're we have the ability to sin and so i think i think that's a it's a good um it's a good reminder here that we're going to so we're going to need to depend on christ uh to help us uh to show the kind of love that he shows and to not give in to the temptation to discriminate or to play favorites so the reference to the royal law is interesting and i hope that there will be some conversations about that i think Wilson did a good Jim Wilson did a good job of talking about um, that the the supreme law the supreme um, giver of uh, God's word is defined and described as being love God is love Um, and he tells us we're to love him and love others so this is this is what the royal law is and but I think we'll have some conversation around that and then he, he ends up on this emphasis on mercy mercy that triumphs over judgment in our human nature we tend toward judgment we want to prejudge people based on as we've talked about their dress their manner of speech whatever it might be but mercy is important because i think what helps us is remember the mercy we've been shown and as we receive mercy we should show mercy to others as christ has forgiven us we forgive as god has extended grace to us we extend grace to others uh, the older I get, and, and you know, let's face it, I'm old. Uh, I, I'm amazed at how this theme of judgment uh, is without mercy to those who have not shown mercy. How how many times that shows up in Scripture? It, here in James, Jesus' teachings, Paul talks about it. I, I think that, and I'm afraid that a lot of people have missed the significance of those who have received God's grace and forgiveness are also to show God's grace and forgiveness. Thank you, Amber, for hanging out with the old guys today. We're grateful for you being here and we're grateful for those of you who have listened to our podcast today. Amber, got a word for us? So if you are leading a session, uh, leading this session this week, we want to just offer uh, an additional teaching tip to make, um, make an make an additional option to your to your time as you lead. So every week we publish online this thing called Leader Extra and it's uh, it's found at biblestudiesforlife.com slash adult extra. And so if you go to that, click on today's today's uh, date, it will you'll get several options on additional teaching ideas that 
you can't do them all. You wouldn't have time to do them all, but there's several there. You can choose one, one or two that you think would work really well. Um, and there's one that is going to have a video clip from the TV show Undercover Boss. And so it's if you if you're familiar with that show, you know that like a, a CEO will put on a costume and like go and uh, connect and, and spend some time in, in one of the uh, franchises that they own. And it's very interesting because the people relate to them as like just a new, they think they're just a new employee. <laughs> and then by the end of the show, they take off their mask and, oh, you own all of these franchises. And so um, it's a very interesting, interesting TV show. And so there's, there's a clip and then you can uh, then a little prompt of a discussion question with that. So that's just a teaching idea that's available at, at our leader extras online. Good resource. Thanks, Amber. And thanks for being part of our podcast. Sure. So uh, we hope you all have a great Bible study this week, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast next week as we look at the third session out of the book of James. 